Culture Podcast. I'm Mosey Levy, and this is episode four. This time around, we talk with Giant Loop founder Harold Olaf Cecil. I have my brother Alan Levy with me, who actually ends up ducking out mid-show for various reasons. We recorded this show Wednesday night, May 3rd. It's currently Saturday, May 5th, and I'm preparing for my MABDR trip that I'm leaving on in about eight hours. Kind of freaking out. Lots of packing, an oil change, and checklists to go through. I'm going with five other guys out of the New Jersey area, and we'll be meeting up at a motel about two hours away in Pennsylvania. Tomorrow morning around 8 a.m., we'll continue the long ride south to the Tennessee border where, we're, where the MABDR starts. We'll be camping the entire way, and the goal is to head north along the official MABDR route, arriving at New York border sometime on Friday. It's around 1,000 miles that we're trying to squeeze into five days, and I hear it's about 80% dirt roads, some challenging and some just fun, fast roads. From there, we'll slab it back home, and we'll be back for sundown Friday night. I'm super excited about this trip, but I wanted to get this episode edited and published before we left. I hope to record another episode when we get back with my group going over the ups and downs of the MABDR for us. So look for that in a few weeks. Harold was a great guest. If you don't know who Giant Loop is, then you must be new to the adventure world. This is their 10th year in business, making high-quality adventure luggage. Stick around to find out more about who Harold is, how he got into the business, what it takes to make these products, and what's in store for them going forward. Go light, go fast, go far. So, yeah, sorry. Harold, where's here? Here is Bend, Oregon. Bend, Oregon. And they have Wi-Fi connection in Oregon? (laughs) <laughs> well, believe it or not, I didn't have broadband at my home until about a year ago because I live out in the forest like eight miles out of town or whatever. But but yeah, Bend itself is, you know, it's now a, almost a legitimate city. Like we're, we're almost 100,000 now. It's tripled in size since I, I moved back here in 1995. So his question was legitimate. You have internet there. <laughs> right. I, I thought yeah. I was making a joke. Um, yeah. All right, so uh, so we have Harold. How do you pronounce your last name one more time? So, uh, you know, professionally I use my whole name, which is Harold Olaf Cecil. So that's Olaf like from Frozen, right? Just, just yep, getting exactly. that out there. Excellent. Yep, my, my family's Norwegian. I'm named after my grandfather. So. Oh, so it really is Olaf like. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and you look, you look smiley. I'm looking at your picture. <laughs> happy, happy well, jolly guy. I, I, you know, if you ask the people who work here, they'd probably tell you that they wish they saw more of that side of me. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I try to be, I try to be happy, jolly guy, but it's not always easy. I've got to tell you. It depends on how much you can get out and ride, right? Well, that helps for sure. And and now we're finally getting some nice warm spring weather here. And I, I leave tomorrow for California to go work an event down there. And it's supposed to be in the eighties. I'm really looking forward to being in some warm weather and getting out and riding in warm weather and stuff and so that are yeah gonna, that'll be great are you gonna trailer down there yeah so i we have two bikes here that we use as like our display bikes at events uh our ktm 500 exc and the new uh ktm 1090 adventure that we bought last year Ooh. so i'll throw those in our enclosed trailer and uh and drive 10 hours down to um, Fresno, California for this dealer event. And then, uh, and then we'll be up, at, uh, for the weekend up in the foothills, of the Sierra Nevada, not too far from Yosemite, um, doing a dual sport ride with a bunch of dealers from all over Northern California. So, so you're going to, you're going to ride the 1090. 
Well, you know, I'm bringing both bikes because it, it kind of depends on like what kind of route they have put together and stuff like that. I mean, if it's more like single track or, you know, more, you know, technical, then I'd, I'd be on the smaller bike. The 1090, though, is going to tackle, you know, anything that's, you know, like more gravel and dirt roads. And, oh, and, I, I, I take my 1190. I have an 1190 Adventure R, and I will take it anywhere Mosey goes. I, I f- yeah. I've followed him into some hairy, hairy hairy stuff not not wide enough not wide enough for the bike to fit through but we make it <laughs> yeah well the, and you know with the big bikes that you know part you know it's fun to kind of push them and see what the limitations are and see what you can do on them and honestly like that 1090 is just an, an incredible bike in terms of off-road performance and stuff but but you know sometimes it's just plain old more fun to be on a smaller lighter bike if especially if the going gets rough at all but you know I, i've yet to actually ride a smaller bike i'm i'm on my 1200 and and that's all my experience and i'm scared to get on a smaller one because i feel like it's going to be a whole new rabbit hole of of purchasing new bikes and new gear and new <laughs> things and i'm going to forget about my big bike so i have to stay committed and uh, <laughs> for now well, I think I, ideally you have at least two bikes, you know, <laughs> like I know a lot of people that will have a whole garage full of bikes, but you know, two is, is pretty good. I, I feel like I have my bases covered with those two bikes. I still have my old Honda XR600R. That was the, the very first dual sport bike that I, I bought when, when I moved back to Bend. Um, I found myself without a motorcycle for the first time in, in many, many years. I've been riding since I was about five years old. And I had sold off my street bike because my wife and I um, quit our jobs in the San Francisco Bay Area and went uh, traveling through Mexico and Central America for six months. And so I sold off my my little street commuter bike that I had at that point in time. And then when we ended up back in Oregon, I moved here and said, geez, you know, the perfect bike here is a dirt bike with a license plate. And so I got that, uh, that XR600 um, and it had a Baja designs like dual sport light kit on it. And at that point in time, we could actually get a license plate, um, you know, for a bike like that. And so, so I still have that bike. That's the only bike that I, I personally own the other two giant loop technically owns, but, but I guess one of the benefits of, of being the owners, I, I get to ride, you know, giant loops, new, nice bikes. <laughs> I'd never owned a new motorcycle until we started giant loop and, so, so, so how, how long ago was that that you started dirt riding and is that your first dirt riding experience well so you know when i was about five um i had an uncle who was a pretty serious um you know motorcyclist and uh at the, that point in time he was working at a shop i i kind of grew up in a motorcycling family like my my grandfather uh had a couple little trail nineties and stuff. And so when I was about five, we got our first little mini bike. It was like, you know, one of those like solid frames, no real suspension, pull the handle to start it kind of things. And then, uh, you know, so we started on that and then, you know, we got like a cool little Honda Z 50 and I rode that for a long time. And then, uh, I, I crashed pretty hard and went over the handlebars on that bike. And, and at that point my uncle said, Hey, you know, you need a, a bigger bike and you need real riding gear. And so he gave me kind of a hand-me-down like Honda 
SL100 that he'd kind of given a dirt bike treatment to and put plastic fenders and tank on it and stuff. And, and he gave me all his old school, like riding gear. I, I still have it. it he, like he had these like Honda factory racing, like leather pants, like, you know, back in those days, like that's what people wore, like even for off-road racing, they were still in leathers and stuff like that. And so sounds hot. Uh, yeah hot and uncomfortable and you know but but yeah so uh riding gear and and bikes and everything else come a long way since i was a little kid that's for sure so do you do you take any personal trips or are you just super busy with work well you know the great thing is that giant loop has afforded me the opportunity to take some really amazing trips in fact and and so you know since we started the company i i've had the chance to go to Australia in 2010 and spent three weeks down there um, with our importer and we did a bunch of really fun riding including a big trip from Sydney down to Phillip Island to watch the MotoGP and 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 back again uh, like mostly on dirt um, and I got the chance a couple of years ago to for the first time to go back to Norway where my grandfather immigrated from and and a Swedish friend of mine met me there um, loaned me a bike and he happens to be like one of the experts of like kind of touring off road in that part of the world. And he took me on a really awesome, like nine day tour in, in Norway, uh, on, on a old school Honda Africa twin, the XRV 750. Hmm. Um, so that was pretty amazing. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, a couple seasons ago, uh, I did a big ride from here down to Arizona with my friends uh, Juan Brown and, and Jenny Morgan from Rally Raid um, and just had this incredible um, trip um, riding from here to Arizona and back um, off-road and seeing a bunch of stuff I'd never seen uh, personally before including Death Valley and and a bunch of really you know spectacular off-road riding. What a, uh, what a business to be in, huh? Well, you know, I... I, I sometimes I have to step back and remind myself that I am truly a lucky guy. You know, I, I, I may not be getting rich doing this, but you know what, at the end of the day, like I've had some rich experiences, life experiences and, and you know, and I, I and so yeah, giant loop has afforded me the opportunity to at least make a living and doing something I love to do and give me some, you know, opportunities to just have, have some, you know, amazing travel and, and great riding and, and an excuse to just keep doing it. So, so on, yeah, on, I, I, on that note, it's uh, it's Giant Loop's 10th anniversary. Is that right? Yeah. So we, we started officially in August 2008. Uh, I, we formed the LLC and started the company. And so, yeah, 2018 it marks our, our 10th year uh, here in business. And, um, yeah, it's been it's been a decade of, of, uh, you know, starting from nothing and, you know, and building this thing into, you know, a, a small, but, but going concern as they say. Congratulations. So, yeah, that's man. Really that's fantastic. so exciting. Congratulations. 10 years. Yeah. That's, that's a feat. You, you keep yeah. saying, you keep saying we, is that, is that the Royal we or? Well, I mean, I, I am the owner, I'm the sole owner, right. You know, but, but it's very much a team effort, you, you know? And, and so I, you know, I try to use the, we, because like, you know, I, I certainly couldn't do what I'm doing 
and couldn't have done what I've done up till now without a whole team of people, you do, know, to help. Do you want to kind of mention some guys from your team and what they do and how well, they Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I guess like, so in the early days, um, you know, our very first employee here was Paul, who, who is, is here uh, to this day. He's our production manager now. And when we first started, um, we were like, geez, man, we're like, we're not doing a good job with this like shipping stuff. But our friend Paul like has it all figured out because he has a little e-commerce business and stuff. So how about if we just pay him like per box to, to pack and ship our orders for us? And so, you know, that's how we got rolling and, and originally he was literally shipping our products like out of his garage at home and then that grew to the point where i was like well look why don't we just make you an employee and you come work for us and we moved everything into the little office i had here in downtown bend on the second story of this old office building and we were in there until like the cardboard boxes were stacked to the ceiling we couldn't even walk around in there anymore and we thought geez man i guess we need some more space and so we, uh, about six years ago, we moved into more of like a warehouse space. Um, and then we now occupy three of these warehouse bays in our, our building now. And so we've just, uh, yeah, been able to add the space as we've, we've grown. Um, with the, the third space, we added just about a year ago and opened, uh, it, it faces the street. And so we opened more of a proper like retail showroom on the street facing side of the building this last May. So that's kind of the, been the progression in, in terms of, uh, you know, where, where we started and, and Paul's been, uh, you know, our oldest, uh, longest employee still with us. And then, that's great. you know, and then there's, uh, you know, right at the moment, my wife comes in and she's kind of our operations manager when she's not working as a school teacher, she comes in after she's done with her other job and helps us make sure the warehouse is is in order and everything's uh, you know he headed in the right direction there and organized and stuff. And um, I've got a, a college student, uh, this great guy Trey, who, who is out in our warehouse doing most of our shipping these days. Um, Sydney, uh, started with us a couple summers ago as my summer intern. And she's, she's actually a product design, uh, graduate from the university of Minnesota. And, um, so she helps me with, uh, some design projects and she's here in the warehouse a couple days a week. Um, Brendan is here helping us with assembly stuff in the warehouse a couple days a week. And then the, I'm really excited about, um, Ryan, our new, uh, customer service and sales guy who just came on board with us. Um, he's a, has a background in racing dirt bikes as well as mountain bikes. Um, and, uh, he just, just came on board a couple months ago and it's been a, a great help to me and a relief to have, have, you know, somebody else here, uh, managing our, you know, two phone lines and three email boxes and helping make sure that customers are getting, um, responses to their email and, and stuff because when it's just me, I just I get overwhelmed and I can't even keep up. So, so that's been been fantastic. And then there are a couple other people who I consider to be integral parts of the team that that work for us as contractors. So um, Chuck Moser does all our graphic design work and our um, studio photography. I've known Chuck for about twenty years. Uh, and he, so he's very much part of the team here. Um, 
my friend Brad is uh, the has been my collaborative partner on um, some metal parts projects, in particular uh, our new uh, giant loop um, pannier mounts that we just introduced this season and won a Nifty Fifty uh, Best New Products Award for that design. Um, and then uh, my friend Lindsey Clark, who, who for years was the designer at a, another local company called Roughware here that, that does like super nice high-end like dog gear. Um, she's now uh, working with me to uh, help us kind of coordinate our design efforts and, uh, and so on. And, you know, I, I really have to give a big shout out to my friend Brian Frankel, who was here for the last five years working with me as my design director. And, you know, Brian really helped take our company from having a handful of products to really helping us flesh out a comprehensive product line and really elevating like the 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 designs of all our products across the board. And he uh, recently um He's moved on. His son lives in Utah, so he's he's moved back to be closer to his son. But uh, I just owe him like a, an enormous debt of gratitude for helping us really push the ball forward in the last five years. So, so yeah, it's truly a team effort, you know. And uh, that's that's really uh, some great insight. You know, you you run a, a a great company and you have so many products, and it's really interesting to hear all the different personalities and, and uh, employees and, and different types of work that need to go in to, to produce what you're producing. And it's it's great to hear from, a, you know, I'm a consumer and it's great to hear how much goes into it because I have just my tank bag on my bike and it's an amazing tank bag and I love it, but there's so much behind it. There's so many people behind it. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. So on that note, you know, you've been, you've been doing this for 10 years, which is incredible. You have an amazing team behind you. What made you get into this well it was a weird combination of of life experiences that sort of came together and congealed in a way that i never really honestly consciously planned or, or really expected so you know I, i've just always ridden motorcycles like it's just always been a part of my life i i was a daily commuter i didn't even own a car until i got married and um, you know, throughout college and my early working life in the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, you know, it, it was all two wheels. And so I, I've always just had this love of motorcycles. And then, and so Giant Loop was kind of a culmination of that combined with um, my life, my early working life as a journalist. And I I worked for uh, an adventure travel magazine called Eco Traveler in the early 90s. And they sent me on some cool trips and, uh, you know, plus that, that big six month trip I took with my wife, um, shortly after we were married, basically backpacking through Mexico and Central America. So all that, that travel experience. And then that, that magazine started having me do product reviews, which, which sent me to like outdoor retailer trade shows. And I'd start, you know, I started walking the shows and looking for products to review and writing product reviews and so on. And then that sort of work sort of transitioned ultimately into me doing a, a lot of marketing. And, and I worked um, with a lot of companies in the outdoor um, recreation uh, space, um, you know, on the marketing side. Uh, and, and, and then that kind of led up to 
2008 where you know all, all of a sudden like one of my my friends who who uh, got me into writing at the time like he and I uh, had been playing with some some designs to because we just weren't happy with with the available options to carry our camping gear on our dirt bikes and head out into the desert and ride hard and fast the way that we wanted to be able to to do and uh, so you know we had started working with some contacts in the outdoor industry like there's a climbing company here in Bend called Metolius and had some you know one of the guys there sew up some bags and stuff and and when the economy just hit the skids in 2008 all of a sudden um, you know my my friend Dave like you know he went from making a really great living to making nothing and I said well look we've got this this idea you know, you've got a bunch of people like who have seen it in forums and have asked you if they can buy it. And so I, I had for the first time in my life, I had like five thousand dollars in in personal <laughs> savings like set aside, and and so I said, look, I'll I'll pay for like a run of, of bags to get sewn. Um, I'll put up a website. Let let's just you know put it out there and see what happens. And within literally within weeks of putting that website up and making the product available like i was being contacted by our importer that we've been working with ever since in australia i was con uh, adventure moto i was contacted by adventure spec in the uk um, I, and again that we were to this day we work with them they're our importer in the uk and you know and it just really took off and, and has been a, a slow steady organic building process since then Wow. And so what was the name of that first product? It was Panniers, right? It's soft, soft bags that you made? Well, our very, our very first product um, was essentially a more primitive version of our Coyote saddle bag. So it, 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 we, I, I think like to this day, the, the, one of the, the products that we really pioneered and were really known for is that horseshoe-shaped saddle bag design. And so the, our original bag um, you know, exploited that design. And we realized that, that there are huge advantages to like literally wrapping your gear right around the subframe of the bike. And that, and that original product, which was just called the giant loop saddlebag, because it was the only product we had at the time. Um, it literally bolted onto the plastics of, of the, of the dirt bike. And, uh, so that that kind of you know that's where it started, and about a year later, we introduced our Great Basin Saddlebag, which is the larger version of our horseshoe-shaped bag. Uh, we introduced our Fandango Tank Bag, um, and yeah, and then the the line has just expanded and evolved from there. So, what do you think the advantages are of the horseshoe design? Since you really pioneered that, what makes that different than a side of soft panniers and a duffel? Let's say, yeah. Well, you know, especially on a on more of a, a, a dual sport and off road application, you know, that horseshoe shaped bag, it it's literally, you know, positioning the weight where the motorcycle engineers have designed those bikes to carry weight, which is is the subframe. You know, the subframe is what's supporting the seat and the rider's weight. And so it's robust enough to support gear weight up to a point. But, but by wrapping it literally like right around that zone, um, it, it uh, you know, you don't have issues that you have sometimes when, when that, uh, when, 
the the luggage is positioning the weight farther away from the bike and there's not enough structure to support it and so on. So this this shape gives you the ideal weight distribution that you'd be looking for. Yeah, it really positions it in the right spot and it it keeps the weight super close to the center of the bike. So one of our objectives, like, you know, and this is when the motorcycle designers themselves spend tons of time and energy trying to centralize the mass of the motorcycle. And and packing is the same. So the closer you can keep the weight on the bike to the center of the bike in, in both directions, so front to back as well as side to side, you know, the least impact the, the weight of your gear has on the way the bike handles and performs. So that saddlebag shape really positions the weight in the right place, keeps it super close to the center of the bike, and um, and also keeps it very stable, um, uh, which for off-road riding is critically important that your gear's not bouncing around. Um, so... That sounds really great. Uh, I just you said earlier that your first bag was just called the Giant Loop Saddlebags. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. How did you get the name Giant Loop? Well, originally the the name came from it was going to be a tour company, and the idea was that you know like if if you go out here to like our our OHB area that's just east of us here outside of town, you know you can spend all day riding tiny loops like small loops of trails and and or if you think of a motocross track that that that's an even tinier loop but we we want to be able to do a giant loop tour that begins and ends in the same place and you know we want to be able to like ride from here to like nevada and back off road and the idea originally was that we were going to set up a tour company and, and, you know, and share this experience that we were having with, with, uh, with other com- customers. And the, there were just so many obstacles to getting a tour business going, not the least of which was that we really didn't have the money to, you know, go buy a chase vehicle and, and all these other things. And so the, the, that never really happened. But when the, you know, the saddlebag, was uh, came along and it was our, and the design was working great. We re- knew that we were onto something. We were like, okay, giant giant loops, great. Like, w- let's make that the name of the company and the product. And and uh, so that that's that's the backstory on Giant Loop. That's that's really great. You know, I got into adventure riding about four years ago, and through all my research, I kept seeing these awesome tank bags and uh, and panniers with that 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 iconic gl icon on it that logo um and i've always looked at it as like that's something i really want to get eventually that's something i want to have and um and you changed that logo recently was there was that hard for you to do did how do you feel about that well the the logo itself didn't change you know we actually own the our, the registered trademark giant loop name as well as that circle gl is our registered trademark brand but we did change the way that we were applying it to our products and that that's been an evolution o- over the years as well but um you know it was a combination of things one just you know i, I it felt like it was a good time to kind of freshen up the look of what we we're doing and you know do something a little bit different but the other practical reality for us is that that screen printing was becoming a really hard thing to manage from a production standpoint because it involved um, vinyl inks and vinyl um, ink 
uh, is super fumey stuff and and increasingly difficult to find people here in the U.S. who even want to work with it or handle it because it requires like special ventilation equipment. And it was adding like weeks to our production timelines because that stuff had to be printed. It had to be laid out flat and air dried for a period of days before it could even be like bundled up and and stacked and handled and stuff. So, wow. So yeah, so there, there are a few kind of factors driving it. And, uh, yeah, so now we're mostly using, uh, you know, sewn on, uh, rubber patches with our logo on them. Uh, although some of our products, we still, uh, do use the, the GL logo just printed on them so, as well. So it happens, to, it's still, the, that tank bag, the Diablo and the Fandango, they still have that iconic look. You could still see it, and you see that profile, and you see the materials that it's made of, and you see the bright colors, and you know that it's a giant loop bag, which is great. That's I think that's key. Um, and I've been using mine for four or five months, and I'm blown away by its... Um, it's just... It's very well made. It's not over-engineered. Uh, the materials on it are are really high end um it seems waterproof without the inner pouch but you provide a water pouch a, a, a dry bag interior dry bag as well and um it's unique the way that you get it on and off of the bike to fill you know every i'm on an r1200 gs and every time i go to the gas station i have to remove my tank bag and um that's 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 a design issue that all companies have to deal with and how they approach it is is interesting and on a lot of tank bags you have to cinch down your straps every time you fill up gas which is not not something that i want to do um you have a really unique zipper system you have a uh, is it a harness or what do you call it that goes on the bike can you describe it a little well yeah for sure we, and we do call it a harness and you know our design philosophy really is a uh, inspired by minimalism it's about less is more you know, don't don't put six straps on there if you can get away with three and they're going to do the job. And so, yeah, the harness uses a, and most of our products um, basically use like a three-point anchor system. So you get the harness around the front part of the frame and the two anchor straps around the, um, you know, the frame spars on the sides. And then the harness is on there. Uh, and by making them two separate components, the, the bag can be removed completely from the harness and you can take your things with you, leaving the harness on the bike ready to go. And then you can also really quickly access your, your fuel fill just by unzipping one zipper and, and flopping the bag out of the way. And in fact, for 2018, I'm kind of excited because we, we even simplified it more and made those, those gas stops even faster and easier and now it, we, instead of uh, having to undo one zipper and then restart it um, after you're done fueling up, there's basically just a single zipper that goes all the way around the base of the tank bag. So you only have to zip it to the far corner, move the bag out of the way, and then you don't have to restart the zipper to, to secure it to the harness after you're done with your, your fuel fill. So it makes it even faster and easier now with the new uh, 2018 um, style. So, so back to the horseshoe shape. Well, yeah, you know, it, it, it's interesting how some of these themes like keep repeating themselves in in our designs. You know, things like this kind of notion of having three points of contact, which is, is an idea that comes out of rock climbing and, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Though, and that horseshoe shape is something that we keep 
circling back around to in, in, in various ways. Um, that's great. So I have the 2017 version um, where there's just two separate zippers, one on each side, and it works well. It still works better than any other system that I've experienced on um, on the GS, but you've had the horseshoe before that and then right after mine. And uh, I'm happy you did that because it's just it's significantly easier to kind of just unzip almost 75% of the way or 60% of the way, just enough for the bike, the bag to be open to flip sideways. You get your gas in and you don't have to reconnect your zipper point. You just continue the zipper back and close it. And it's probably the fastest way to um, to get your tank back back on. I've had SW Motec tank bags where they have the tank lock system where it clips on and off. And that was really fast too, but... It's not really conducive for an off-road environment. You're throwing your leg back and forth over the bike or you're getting thrown off the bike in the dirt and your leg hits the tank bag and it cracks off. Or if there's a lot of sand that gets in there, it makes it kind of hard to release the tank bag. And so um, I think that SW Motec system is great for city riding, but for for dirt riding or adventure riding, you want something that's going to really stay on the bike. And so with your harness system, the bag does not move at all. You cinch it down super tight so that it's always exactly in the same spot no matter what kind of motion you're having on your bike. And then to, to get to the tank, it's it's super easy. So I think you guys have a really amazing uh, system there. I haven't experienced your panniers. Do you want to talk about those and the newer stuff that you've been making, the non-horseshoe? Well, yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, with, with Brian, uh, Brian Frankel's, um, help when he was here, um, working with us on designs, we decided to push, um, you know, outside of that horseshoe shape design and, and look at doing some more traditional, like top loading pannier designs. And that process led to our Siskiyou panniers, which have been out for, I don't know, maybe going on five years now or something. And they, they're designed to um, mount without requiring luggage racks on some bikes um, and, and giving you more of that traditional top-loading access um, to your gear and, and so on. And then just in the last couple years, we've, um, we've moved to developing some um, specific rack mounted products now because what what we've discovered is you know over the years is that you know uh, some some riders probably like yourself you know you're you're doing a mix of riding and so for the the city riding the more street oriented stuff you know there there are certainly um conveniences to you know hard boxes that you know you just throw your things in there you close the lid and lock them and you go um but but I think that we've done a pretty good job in the last few years helping kind of educate the marketplace about the benefits of soft luggage, especially in an off-road application. And so um, by having some rack-mounted pannier solutions now, um, customers who already have luggage racks on, on their motorcycles can, can simply swap back and forth now between hard boxes and our soft luggage um, depending on the riding that they're doing. So that's exactly what I do. I, I'm a commuter, um, during my non adventure months and I'm going back and forth to Manhattan and I have hard panniers. And then when I'm going on a trip, it took me a while, but I, I realized the benefits of soft bags. And so every trip I convert 
and my my pannier mounts now hold my uh, my soft bags. And if if you're not using soft bags and you're doing dirt and adventure riding or touring in, in the dirt, you really should consider it just for your safety, if nothing else. Well, it certainly um, it sheds weight from the bike. Um, you know, our objectives are are to keep things light, to eliminate points of failure, especially you know in rougher off-road conditions and where, where bikes are getting dropped and so on. And then, you know, the hard luggage, if you get hit with it, it, it can hurt you, you know? And so, um, you know, soft luggage, you know, absorbs impacts and, and, uh, uh, uh yeah, it, it's just better suited for, for a number of reasons, um, especially for off-road riding. So, uh, what do you think sets your, your panniers apart? Um, the the non horseshoe version because your horseshoe version is very unique. The the non horseshoe panniers you have two different kinds. I think what sets them apart from others? Well, I think uh, we're we're known for making super rugged gear that that does stand up to you know hard off road use. Um, we're we're also known for for making light weight gear as well that that tends to you know help shed. Uh, a significant amount of weight from from the bike, and, uh, which in turn enables you to, you know, devote more of that weight to just the gear that you're carrying, and, and not, you know, start with 37 pounds of dead weight on the bike before you packed a clean pair of socks. And and then, you know, again, our design philosophy is is, is you know keep it simple, you know, and 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 if you need a strap you have a strap if you don't need a strap then don't put a strap on there or you know so so i think that our our bags are you know we we definitely um, take a more reductive approach instead of an additive approach to design so if you want pockets well we have pockets and you can add them if you want them but we don't necessarily put them on every bag uh, for example um, so I, I think that, you know, over the years, we've tended to attract the, the, the kind of the more hardcore end of the spectrum, frankly, like the, the people who, you know, they don't want to have to worry about or fiddle with their gear when they're out on their big adventure. They just need stuff that just performs and does its job so that they can focus on the ride and enjoying the ride and not fiddling with gear. So I, I think from the very beginning, you know, that's the experience that we've helped, you know, provide for our customers with, with our designs. And, and that goes with your motto, right? Yeah, absolutely. Go light, go fast, go far. And that, that's, that's the objective. That's great. Um, I'm looking at your picture of uh, a picture of your tank bag right now on the website, just super zoomed in. And this is the one I have on my bike. And it looks like there's so many different types of materials on there. Um, and they're, and they're really great to, to touch. You, you feel that there was so much thought involved and the the top part is kind of like a rough rubber and then the side is like a um a kayaking dry bag kind of feel and then there's a leather on the bottom how many materials are on here i mean how do you how do you <laughs> it's it's impressive well yeah i i think that you know that that we engineer combinations of mature materials to achieve, you know, the effects that we're after. And, and so with the tank bags, for example, we use like a, a foam in, inside the, you know, sandwiched between those layers of that 
um, vinyl tarp material to, to help give it a structure. So when it's not packed full, it still retains a shape, but it's not rigid. It still has a, a flexibility to it. Um, and that's the, important because when you're standing on your bike and you're kind of leaning forward, you don't want something rigid. And you, you, that's one of the things I actually love about it is that it, it gets out of the way as it needs to. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, T typically our tank bags are smaller than most of the other options out there precisely because we don't want them to be in the way when we're riding off-road and standing up on our foot pegs and we don't want them to prevent us from getting into that good riding position that upright riding position do you think uh do you think tank bags are more of your core business or is it the panniers well, you know, I think in, in terms of our, our top selling products, the, the tank bags are right up there. Um, our Mojave saddlebag, the, the smallest of our horseshoe-shaped saddlebags, is actually, I think, our top seller in terms of, you know, the, the saddlebags and, and panniers, you know, the stuff that goes on the tail of the bike. So, you know, we continue to, you know, uh, be – well known for those horseshoe shaped designs and, 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 and they sell really well. And, you know, and certainly the tank bags are, are an integral part of that. Um, you know, cycle world magazine a couple of years ago, um, did an adventure like light build with a small, uh, dual sport bike. And they, they outfitted it with our coyote saddle bag and our, uh, I think it was the Diablo tank bag. And they, in their um, article talking about why they chose the, the, our stuff for that bike build, they said that, you know, our, our offering was the best hardcore option available. So, you know, so in terms of saddlebags and tank bags, like I, I think we still, uh, you know, very much are, are known for, you know, kind of the, the hardcore offering and, um, you know, and yeah, and, and now that's expanded into things like the rack mounted pannier systems and, and some of these other offerings that, that enable us to address the needs of a wider range of riders and bike types and so on. So I, I've noticed a rally raid on their new GS310 or 310 GS, uh, their, their new kit has, uh, has your stuff on it. Is that right? Well, yeah, absolutely. And we've always had a, a really close working relationship with, uh, with Rally Raid for for a time, we were actually importing their um, kits uh, to convert the Honda CB500 into an adventure bike, and you know, and they continue to um, recommend our luggage to sell it to their customers. And in fact, they even um, consider our our bags into their own design process um, when they're building tail racks and and luggage racks and, and so on. So yeah, it's, it's really great to have alliances and partners like that uh, in the business who, you know, we, you know, support each other's efforts and complement one another's efforts. So yeah, uh, really stoked that they're, that they're um, promoting our gear uh, with that new 310 project, which, which I think is really cool too. It is awesome. You know, it's it's uh, it's such an interesting industry that we're in the adventure uh, category because there are large companies out there like BMW and GV and Stubby Motec. But um, what's what's most interesting are the smaller companies that are putting out amazing products and supporting them. And it's not it's not easy to do that. You don't have a, a huge large company, but you're still 
you know, providing amazing customer support. You're still creating products that you know that people want. And I love, I love hearing the backstory and, and all these little details about, you know, where you come from and how you got to, to what you're doing. And, and I'm hoping other people are appreciating the story as well. Um, what's, what's next for Giant Loop? Well, you know, we, we just keep trying to push the ball forward and keep, you know, we're, we're dedicated to continually improving what we're doing. And that, that applies to our business and our business processes as well as our product designs. And, and, you know, I think that, uh, uh, you know, some of the next frontiers for us are, are looking at some other vehicle uh, platforms where we have something to contribute and offer, um, in particular in the power sports space. So uh, about three seasons ago, we introduced a snow line of products um, for snowmobiles and, and snow bikes. And, and the snow bike side of it in particular is really taking off now and and beginning to become a you know contributing part of our business as well and and then looking forward i I think that the um the side by sides are you know super popular and our new five gallon um, gas bag fuel safe bladder for example is pretty much targeted at those larger four-wheeled vehicles so you know I i think we have a lot to offer to people on a variety of vehicles, including bicycles and and, and so on. So, um, you know, I think uh, just as a matter of survival and and continuing to try to achieve a, a scale at which we're not quite so um, vulnerable and, and limited in in our options. You know, these are the the big picture objectives. So, That's yeah, great. it's just uh, yeah, continuing to to push it down the road yeah. so what's that gas bag about <laughs> well so the the gas bag you know i we happen to have the good fortune of uh, right down the road from us here in central oregon is this company called fuel safe and they are one of the foremost experts in the country in terms of creating fuel handling products they make racing cells uh cells for race cars they make fuel tanks for aviation and so on and I, I was in a business group, and I met this guy there, Bill Hare, um, several years ago. And I said, hey, you know, I've got this idea, and I, I think you guys could probably do it. And, you know, if you're, if, you know, you're interested, like, I'd love to work with you on this thing. And so I basically bugged him for a period of like four years. And finally, he became the company president and was in a position where he could say, hey, you know, why don't we do this? And so they basically worked hand-in-hand uh, hand with us to develop the, that, um, the inner liner bladder that uh, is made of a fuel-specific, um, fuel-safe-specific uh, material and the, the filler neck that bonds to that. And then we sew the protective outer sleeve around it. And um, so it's, it's very much a collaborative effort. And the result has been that we're literally the only company in the United States producing a product uh, of, it, of that kind. So tell um, us about it. What, what, is, you know, what is it and how do we mount it and how do we use it? And... Well, it's, it's, you know, the idea is that instead of a rigid um, fuel container that, like, is taking up a bunch of space and weight and bulk even when it's empty – these gas bags are a textile, you know, flexible product that they like the one gallon version weighs less than I think it's less than a pound empty. 
And and the idea is as soon as you burned a gallon out of your gas tank, you can dump that into the gas tank and then roll it up and stow it away somewhere and it's taking up almost no space. And it, it just uh, it provides, uh, you know, an alternative to having to run like a big aftermarket tank or strap a bunch of like gas cans onto your vehicle or, or that sort of thing. So I've, I've never, you know, I, I just started to carry gas canisters on me and I've been carrying it as a, more of an emergency situation. But what's in- interesting is you're saying as soon as you drop a gallon, pour it in, empty the weight from your from your from that uh, bag and now you have that extra distance right away. Yeah. That's great. And and how do you where do you picture people mounting that? Well, so there are there are a variety of places that you can put them on the bike, you know, we we have to sell it as a racing product and so um uh because it's it's not a an approved fuel container according to, you know, the standards set by, you know, the government regulators. So we have to be careful that, you know, we sell it as an off-road racing product for closed course racing and so on. But the, so we have, you know, racers who will literally just strap it to their hydration pack. Uh, it'll strap to the, the, like a tail rack. Uh, we have, uh, we have people who will use like our Mojave saddlebag and, and run it across the, the tail of the bike, um, you know, strapped to the, the Mojave saddlebag and, and kind of supported by the, the saddlebag. Um, there's a KTM factory rider named Chris Birch from New Zealand, and he has sent us photos where he's strapped it wrapped around the front of his trials bike when he's out, like doing nice. trail maintenance work and stuff. So that's great. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. So I just have a couple more questions for you now. This is these are like more personal questions. Um, you have amazing colors on the uh, on the on the tank bags, and I love the orange color. But there are a lot of BMW riders that now have the rally uh, blue. Are you going to make a blue color? Well, so the uh, yeah, we are literally one of the only companies that offers luggage in a variety of colors, and 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 I love being able to offer people the choice to kind of color match a bike or you know or that sort of thing. Um, we, you know, one of the challenges of being a small company and having, you know, limited financial resources is that we have to be really careful about how we control and manage our, our stock and our inventory. And so, so partly for that reason, like we, we have kind of our five standard colors and we inventory those fabrics. Um, and in that particular fabric, like getting a nice, like, royal blue color um you know the uh we once in a while we can get you know kind of uh like like a roll of it or or whatever and so we have done things like a a limited edition of, of some bags so we did we've done in the past like a a royal blue mojave saddle bag we did a a nice like rich red uh, mojave saddle bag and, you know, and so I think there are, you know, hopefully uh, going to be additional opportunities in the future to do things like that. Um, I, I think yeah. if you if you do like a one off run for the the BMW rally uh, blue and red, kind of just like a blue with a, like a little red stripe, I think, you know, make a couple hundred of them, hundred of them, maybe. I think that that you'd get a, a great uh, uh, you'd sell out of them because 
first of all, the people that are buying those rally bikes are definitely spending money. And uh, they need something to match. They love matching. Um, yeah. But on my bike, I love the orange. I love that it stands out. It doesn't match my bike in any way. It just stands out, and I love it. Uh, <laughs> my next question is, um, have you ever put thought into making uh, brand-specific or model-specific harnesses for your tank bags? Well, again, like, you know, one of the, the challenges here for us is that um, – we, we actually try to make our, our designs as universal and fit as possible. And, you, you know, the, one of the practical realities he, here is that most of my, you know, available working cash is, is sitting out here in my warehouse in boxes, in, in inventory. And so, you know, having to stock and inventory five variations of a product um, you know, five colors is, is hard enough, but, but if I had five colors and then make and model specific versions, you know, the pretty soon your, your production, your inventory, just mushroom. And so I, I'm not completely opposed to doing, you know, some model specific, um, options for people. Uh, and in fact, like our new pannier mounts, we have, um, a GS Adventure specific adapter set available for our, our mounts, uh, but but generally speaking, you know, we we if I don't say so myself, we've done a pretty good job of creating products that fit in an incredibly wide array of, of makes and, and models and bike types and config, configurations, and that is kind of a business reality for us that that it, it's really. Uh, you, you know, that, that is kind of one of our objectives. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I imagine, I don't know that it's a tough balance between features and, um, and, and profit, not that profit's a bad thing. You know, you need to concentrate on what's going to sell, what's not going to sit in, in the warehouse and, uh, creating a model specific thing is, is definitely risky. Uh, the one note I'll, I'll just add is that BMW buyers specifically spend probably the most, um, out of anyone, I'm guessing, you know, that logo means a lot. Um, but the truth is, like you said, you made such a universal product that works so well on so many bikes and, and that's great. I'm a fan. Well, thanks. And, you know, and, uh, I think one of my hopes has always been that we would eventually evolve to a place where maybe we had, um, a close tie with a, a manufacturer and we could do, you know, a, a more of a, a specific design as like a, a, an OE, you know, offering. And, you know, and I, I think that may well one day happen, um, you know, for our customer base, our three top motorcycle brands are KTM, BMW and Honda. And, uh, you, you know, and then we, we love some of the kind of niche outlier brands and stuff too, like, like beta, for example, we've always had a, a great relationship with them as well. So, um, you know, and, until one of those OEs comes to us and, you know, and, and, uh, uh, you know, it gives us the opportunity. We, we, we are pretty locked into trying to be, yeah, agnostic, brand agnostic, like we, you know, um, yeah. So I think you guys are doing an amazing job. I really want to wish you congratulations on your ten-year anniversary. That's really uh, incredible, especially considering that the adventure market is young. I mean, it's obviously very, very old, 
but the momentum and the and the uh, and where it is now, it seems young. And so I wish you the best of luck going forward. And I can't wait to see more products from you. And um, I'm very happy to have Giant Loop product on my bike. Oh well, thanks. Thank you so much, Lee. I mean, that that really makes you know that that makes it all all the hard work feel worthwhile when I hear that from people. So you know, thank you so much, and I, I really appreciate you using our products and and taking the time to to talk to me. Um, I'm I'm honored to. Thank you so much, man. Hey, my pleasure. Anytime. And uh, go light, go fast, go far. Yeah. All right, brother. Take care. Mm-hmm.